Hey, everybody, welcome back to D3 Glory Days on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. We have something new today that combines both audio and written work from Lila Drafts Johnson. But before we introduce what that is, you know the drill, a few housekeeping items. Make sure you're following us on social media as the cross-country season is getting closer. We have big plans for the season with a lot of write-ups, episodes, and much more. You're going to want to make sure you're following us on social media to know when everything is released. Last week, we celebrated three years of D3 Glory Days, and the support we received was amazing. Special shout-out to Jeremiah, Kyle, Abigail, Angie, and Peter. We appreciate all of your support and everyone else's throughout our last three years and are excited to continue to bring you more D3 coverage. Reminder, if you're going to go to the Chicago or Boulder group run, we sent an email out. Chicago's group run will be on Saturday at 8 a.m. at the Waveland Tennis Courts. Boulder was moved to actually Monday at 7.30 a.m. Noah will release the location shortly. As always, if you want to share this podcast with a friend or leave a review, much appreciated. It helps us grow. All right, on to the episode slash article. If you've been paying attention to the last few years, you noticed the rise of Loris track and field program, specifically on the women's side, winning four straight national titles dating back to 2019. They've won the 2019 outdoor, 2021 outdoor, 2022 indoor and outdoor. We sat down with Matt Jones, the head coach, to understand the history behind where Loris came from and interviewed a few other athletes that went on to an article. And this episode, Matt Jones lays the foundation of how Loris came to be and the ups and downs throughout the process. In the show notes, you'll find a link to the article that brings the athlete's perspective to it and brings Coach Jones's words to life in a story format. And the written side of things was written by Lila Drafts Johnson. She took what Coach Jones said, interviewed a few other athletes, and put together a story that coincides with this episode. It was fun to work with Lila on this and also learn more about the Loris track and field program and the history behind it. Talking with Coach Jones was inspiring, especially when the years were tough. They weren't getting the results they wanted, but sticking out with his alma mater and seeing four national titles come back to Dubuque made it all worth it for Coach Jones and the Loris Duhawks. If you like this written slash audio combination, let us know. We'll try to do more of it. But this was a fun way to highlight the success that Loris Track and Field has had over the past four years. Once again, make sure you read the article in show notes. Until then, here's the glory days. All right, welcome back to D3 Glory Days, the making of a dynasty. Loris is coming off of their fourth straight national title, third consecutive outdoors, and joined by head coach Matt Jones to take us through the history and where this all came from. Coach, 
First off, congratulations on recently winning another national title and welcome back to D3 Glory Days. Thank you, Stu. Um, I, I really appreciate it when you guys reached out to me about this. It was uh, one of those surreal moments where you're like, you know, this is actually kind of happening. Um, appreciate the coverage. Um, and, and so looking forward to, to doing this segment with y'all. Yeah, I mean, you know, you kind of said there, you're now realizing it's coming to fruition after indoors, you know, that was the first indoor title off of a lot of months off. And now you're at four straight. What are like the first kind of emotions you, you mentioned that you're off recruiting at the Wisconsin state meet. Have you had time to sit down and kind of think about this? Yeah, maybe a little bit more than what I have in some of the other years, because we, we actually took a charter bus this time instead of flying. So just some downtime in the, um, in the bus to, to reflect. Um, I don't think it really set in until the following maybe Tuesday or Wednesday that this has all kind of happened and, and, um, you know, really not necessarily enjoyed it, um, but just kind of some reflection time um, through each one, talking to people, you know, just it, it, it never really truly sinks in, I don't think. I mean, even now I've caught myself almost daily going back and watching some sort of clips from races or, or highlights or some video or postings. Just it, it's a it's just a really remarkable thing that you, you don't really want to let go of, you know. Yeah, let's chat about the most recent one here first before we kind of figure out how this all came to be. You know, compared to indoors, it was a victory lap of sorts for your four by four. It was already in the bag. This year, outdoors, you guys were down unofficially because triple jump was still being scored. Lacrosse had two scores in there. What were you feeling, you know, heading that four by four? You have Fadenauer on the anchor. You have to feel, you know, confident with not only her, but her, your entire four by four team. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, I, I tried to keep them away uh, from looking at some of the scores and being distracted by some of that stuff. I had a pretty good feeling after we did not get off to a great start on Thursday that we were going to need everything uh, throughout the course of the weekend to start to fall into play on Friday and Saturday. So on the back of my mind, I'm like, man, this is going to come down to the four by four. I don't say this arrogantly. I just say with confidence and seeing our women compete. Um, I felt very good about our chances if we were at or near equal score to lacrosse um, or, you know, SUNY Geneseo might've been a little bit of a different story just because they had been running so well as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I had went inside uh, the Spire Institute uh, facility indoors, grabbed Elena, Marion, uh, Alyssa and Stevie and said, hey, here's the situation. We're up seven points. There's a round and a half to go in the triple jump. Right now, lacrosse has got nine on the board. Uh, so we're, we're down two on paper. I'm like, this is what we want. We've got the last bullet in the chamber. I think there's only one team out there that can run with us. Um, and I don't think we've run our best race all year. And I said, it's just a matter of each one of you doing your own job, having faith and confidence in the other woman next to you um, and getting the job done. And, and they went out there and they, they ran extremely, extremely well. I mean, that was a two and a half second PR from us uh, this year. I think a season's best from almost all of them. Elena might've been a little bit shy but I mean, she was 56-1. I think she had been 56-0, so she wasn't that far off. Uh, Marion ran 55 for the first time, and then uh, obviously Alyssa put it away. But 
Uh, you know, we, we wanted to be able to have that four by four in our back pocket. We felt very confident in our, in our team. We had been in pressure situations earlier the year uh, indoors to win the conference title. You know, you said it was a victory lap, but to us, that meant something still indoors because we had never won the four by four championship. And SUNY Geneseo posted a heck of a time in the first heat. Uh, so we did have a little bit of pressure there to go out there and win that national championship. And, and they responded every time they were put under adversity this year. You know, it's interesting to hear you say you told them the situation, you know, I think sometimes on one hand, you might present that as pressure in their hand, you know, you give them the, the goal to go win and make sure you, you get the job done. What was the decision behind kind of letting them know versus having them go in blind? A couple of different things. One, they're vets. Um, they've all been there before. The stage has not been big for them. They've run in finals before. They've run together. The four of them already won the four by one national championship earlier in the day. The other piece was what I just kind of alluded to. Um, they had faced adversity and been in pressure situations um, this season already. And they responded and ran almost every single time our season's best time when it came down to the final race. Tired or not tired, fresh or not. So, you know, I, I would probably not do that if I had three freshmen or, you know, two freshmen and a first timer and a senior on there. Um, but I there's a lot of experience with those women. And I, they, they really like each other. They're, they're very close. Um, and so I don't think I was doing anything to jeopardize um, their confidence or, you know, their mindset and mentality. I think that was the best way for that group to hear a very direct and blunt message. Um, and the last thing I didn't mention too is we, we can't control what lacrosse does. Uh, we don't control what everybody else behind us does. So I'm like, you know, we go out and win this thing at worst, we're in a tie because they would have to finish second. Um, so yeah, it was, it was maybe a little bit gutsy, uh, but I just trust those girls and, and they do such a good job of responding. And like I said, they're very experienced. Yeah, you mentioned Thursday, you know, maybe didn't get the start you all were hoping for, you know, big news in the distance world, Cassie Parker loses her first race to a D3 competition in over a year you know, still second place, still eight points. But when you see her go down, you mentioned indoors, you know, you want to go on momentum. Maybe that's a momentum killer and the fact that she didn't win when she was hoping to, but how do you kind of counterbalance that and like keep the team fired up, even though it still is a, a second place performance? Yeah. Um, so, and it wasn't just necessarily that, you know, there were, and, and it wasn't necessarily that we had a bad day. Lacrosse had a very good day. Um, Sky Digman, I think was seated six in the discus and she won. So I'm like, oh my gosh, they're off to a heck of a start. And then as you said, you know, on paper, Cassie was seated first and, um, you know, she took second. So that's a, a two point swing there. Plus the discus. I'm like, we're, we're putting ourselves in a deficit. Uh, Mary and Alyssa did not make the 200 meter final. So we had uh, a couple missed attempts there. Grace had an okay first day, but when they had the aggressive tailwinds in the multi-event and, and she smacked the fifth hurdle, uh, she's probably only one of maybe two in the entire field that did not PR in the hurdles. Um, so it just was not a very good start. Um, and truthfully, the opposite of what I just said, I didn't say a word. I said nothing to any of them about any of it because I didn't want it to be a distraction. And I knew we had two days left. And so, you know, we had a good day Friday. Um, but yeah, I was, I did not want to speak to it very much um, because I didn't want to feel the pressure in the morning on Saturday or on Friday. Ultimately, you come away victorious here. You know, let's take a step back from this year and kind of learn more about you and how this, you know, this current present day dynasty came to be. You graduated from Loris, stuck around and was an assistant coach that 2006 season. You eventually get promoted to head coach in 2013. 
But, you know, there's an early stretch there when you were transitioning from your assistant coach to the head coach where you all didn't have many All-Americans. In fact, like there wasn't there's a stretch there where you didn't have one. You know, how do you go from this? And this is maybe a a long winded question and turns into a long answer. But I guess in short, what are those early days like getting out of a hole without any All-Americans? Um, it was tough, um, you know, and, and the, the, the part that might not be known is, um, you know, when I was in college, our women uh, were very competitive. We had some good teams in the 90s um, as well. Some, you know, Jenny Ritchie's, Wendy Ellis's of the world. Uh, we had some heptathletes um, in the early 2000s that were uh, All-Americans. We had Sarah Nauman in the throws um, who had won some shot put national championships. And then in 05, I think they took fifth at Oshkosh with, Dana Clem and Ellen Tice, and um, I'm trying to think, uh, Allison Evans was on that team, Abby Arion was on that team. Um, so we, we had a stretch, uh, but then there, there was an overhaul um, of the coaching staff uh, that I was coached under. Um, and when Bob Schultz was hired here, uh, it went from a two position job where it was head track, head cross to a one position job of one cross, one, one track coach. And we lost some of our GAs uh, as Loris kind of eliminated some of the graduate programs. Um, and so it was a lot of responsibility on Bob um, to take over with not an empty cupboard, but they were starting to become pretty bare. So, yeah, and I was part-time early on. It was tough to recruit, trying to find my footing. Um, it was tough sales pitch to recruits when most of the high schools in Iowa were running faster than what we were in the relays um, and individual events. So it just, it took some time to find some of the right kids, uh, revamp the culture a little bit um, and kids that wanted to get better, that wanted to do the unfun and necessary things that it takes outside of the 24 weeks that were allowed by the NCAA to get better in the off season. Um, And then as we started to find some of those pieces, it became a little bit easier and it just slowly started to evolve and become a little bit easier Um, and we still have some struggles with the recruitment process even with the success due to you know our facilities Uh, we we, if if this is a place that you're looking to run it first class modern type facilities that's it's not Loris Um, but it it hasn't stopped us from being successful it hasn't stopped us from developing student athletes Um, and so some of those barriers were harder to overcome early on when we didn't have the ability to showcase our team and what we were getting done. So it was a really long process. And I don't know if I can give you a short answer um, to to how that was. I can tell you one thing. Um, It was hard. It was really hard. I'm a very competitive person. Um, And there was a couple moments in my career early where I'm like, man, I don't know if I can do this. Uh, This is really hard to, we got, we got pounded at conference meets going to nationals was like, I missed national meets in there for, for some years when I was an assistant um, and there was one year, I think we took just a couple kids and we had time to go be tourists in some of these cities because we had nothing else going on. I remember one year we did a really small fantasy draft because we had no one that made finals after Friday. And now it's, you know, it's just nice being busy all day and having kids that are competing throughout the course of the weekend. So a refreshing, um, very stressful change. Um, uh, but I, it, it was, it was tough and it took some time. Yeah, I think, you know, from the outside looking in, you see four straight national titles and you think it, you know, it's everything's easy. It's it's it comes naturally. But, you know, when it was hard that you were mentioning, you're not having even kids go to the national meet. You know, you do have some loyalty to Loris as being a graduate. But what 
kept you staying around and not kind of jump ship and go build something else elsewhere? You know, I, this place is one that's going to be near and dear to my heart for a long time. Um, Dubuque is a nice area. Loris has got a very strong um, alumni base, um, very loyal, a, a tremendous legacy rating, uh, second only to Notre Dame where mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, you know, went to school here. Um, and so those that have been through here can, you know, speak to what I'm, I'm, I'm talking about and referring to, you know, early on, I, I didn't really have anything. I had no leg to stand on. I was a, a coach that didn't really have a whole lot on my, um, you know, on my resume to build. You know, so I, I don't know. I, I didn't really feel there was a time and or a place other than where I was at. Um, I had some friends in the area that kind of kept me here. And, um, you know, I liked working sports camp. And, you know, I don't know. I, I Probably not one particular thing that, that ever made me look to leave, but uh, I'm, I'm glad I stayed. Yeah. Do you get a little bit more prideful in the fact that, like, you are an alum, you've now won four straight, the it seems like the support from the administration, just based on your uniforms, it seems like you're getting a lot of support like that way and being able to kind of take yourself out of the bottom and now you're back on top. Yeah, um, I've, I've said that from the very beginning, um, that if the opportunity ever presents itself to go coach somewhere um, differently and um, I, I would be able to have a team that would have that kind of success and win a national championship. I don't know if it would ever surpass or, um, you know, overtake the, the feelings of winning at one at Loris um, just because I've, I've been in their shoes. Um, I've been in these buildings. Not all of them are the same in terms of like our, our, our um, weight room facilities, but I've worked out on this track. The rock bowl has been a part of my life uh, for almost 20 some odd years now. Um, so I, I think there's just something that's different about doing it here. Um, so yeah, I definitely take a lot more pride. Um, you know, it's not just alums that are reaching out to me. There's friends, former teammates that are, you know, sending congratulatory notes and things like that. So they're a little bit more special when they're intricate, right. And they're people that, you know, and, or competed with and, and wore some of the uniforms, uh, maybe not the old boathouse warmups that we had back in the early two thousands, but, um, it, it's, it's pretty neat to be able to do it at your alma mater. There's no question. And we mentioned that, that stretch there where you weren't seeing a lot of All-Americans and success at the national level. 2015 and 2016 kind of start changing the ship there with Bree Powers and Elizabeth Brandenburg. You know, how big of an impact was it to get them not only on campus, but to see them progress and become All-Americans towards the end of their careers? It was one of those things where um, I, I learned quickly that I had to make and, and establish relationships with kids early on in the recruitment process. And I was finding success in doing so going into the high schools, um, going to the meets and, and things of that nature. And, and so um, actually Brittany Powers was brought to us by uh, an alum of ours, Kevin Coy, uh, that was working uh, in the Lincoln Way District. Um, hey, you gotta, you gotta come after Pow Pow as he called her back in the day. Um, I think she's got a, a bright future. Um, went and watched her run. Uh, she was five foot nothing. 90 some odd nothing pounds and I'm like I don't know about that but she had a nice gait and um you know she seemed to like the sport um Elizabeth was a 10-6 straight pole vaulter um I won't allude to the school in particular I don't want to do that but one particular school said that they weren't she wasn't good enough for them uh, thank you because <laughs> she was great for us but, you know, their successes later on, um, Coach Wagner at the time working with Elizabeth Brandenburg was instrumental um, in her getting better um, and becoming a national runner-up. Bree and uh, that group of women 
probably had it harder than than anybody else um, because it was when I was really trying to get these kids to understand what I saw in them and what I thought of their potential. And without having, you know, those said pieces in front of them, not to take anything away from the class in front of them, but they just weren't on that level. I thought Alexis and Bree and, and some of those women in that era were just a little bit different in terms of their ability levels. And um, once I got through to them, I think it was Alexis's freshman year and maybe Brittany sophomore year at conference um, at Luther College. And I think they ran like 57 and 58 in the open 400 respectively. And I'm like, I haven't had a woman break 60 since I've been here. So this was like earth shattering. And, and it just kind of changed what we were able to do, what they felt about themselves. Alexis actually ended up quitting basketball. She came up for bas- from basketball for freshman year. Um, and that helped because she was a workhorse and, and did all the things. And her and Bree were very close. There was a group of them and Audrey Hooks and that uh, as well that I messaged after the 2019 national championship. Um, and I thank them because I told them that this would not have been possible without the groundwork and the foundation being laid from them in the two or three years uh, prior to this. And it was a little bit bittersweet uh, because they worked so hard to set it. I wish we would have been a little bit better sooner so they could have enjoyed some of that, been multiple time All-Americans and had some of those successes. But I meant that from the bottom of my heart is that we don't get those things done without the work those women did in 2016, 17 and 18. That's kind of how it all really got rolling from 19 on. So uh, they were instrumental um, in, in, in the ship being, um, turn around and head in the right direction. Yeah. How big of an impact not only that have on recruiting, cause now you can go out and, Hey, we have small Americans we, we turn this ship around, but also on the present team itself, I'm sure, you know, they got to see what it takes to be an all American. You know, did you see that switch right away or did it take some time? Pretty much overnight. Um, just because, um, I didn't have to do a lot of the, uh, guilt tripping as I'll call it. Like you got to be out here, you know, when we get six weeks in the fall, that's not enough. Like you guys got to go put the work in on your own time. So when we start classes like this year was August 30th. And when we started class on August 30th, when I walk out there in the afternoon to, you know, go for a run or, or go grab something from the mail room or whatever the case may be. And I look out in the track and there's 25, 30 kids warming up to go run on their own as a, as a group. That, that speaks volumes. And that started in, I don't know, maybe 15, uh, where it really started to just be the norm, where they were getting together at a bare minimum, maybe two days a week, three days a week, and then it, it, it became contagious. Um, and the better we got, the more they were dialed in and willing to do a little bit more on their own time. You see smaller groups coming in and doing their own event work on their own. So it's just nice that, you know, I... I get to reap the rewards as the coach that's coaching a national championship team as the national coach of the year. The reality is these women and men do the work and and I look out there and they're getting better without my coaching because they're doing the work. Um, Do I give them the tools? Sure. You know, I'm, I'm not going to deny that, you know, I have something to do with the progression and, and the training. Right. But it's the commitment. It's the, it's their commitment to the sport and to each other and to their ability to get better um, each and every year that has really allowed us to continue to sustain the success. Those early days, like what were you trying to convince them in terms of just like building this culture up? Like how did you sustain this culture now that it's self-sustaining on your own during that fall part of the season? You know, I'm a, 
I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm an easy coach to run for because I, I hold them to pretty high expectations. And it got to the point in my career when you would have conversations with kids and there would be the disappointment, that look of frustration, you know, the, the moments that you, you want to avoid and, and, and not have in, in your running career, your athletic career, not necessarily the, the rock bottom moments, but where you just have failed, right? I, I just challenged them. Okay, how do we avoid these? How do we minimize these from continuing to be the norm? And if it was the same kid having those same conversations with you, take a look in the mirror, you know, hold yourself accountable for your own actions. What is it going to take to get better? How do we make these bad feelings become positive and good feelings? And, and that was it. It was, it was mostly a matter of trying to get them to see what it could be instead of being stuck in this hole of marginal improvements or frustration or, you know, not getting better or having injuries and, and all these different things that, that student athletes dread, they control the narrative. You know, we talk a lot about controlling what you can control. You can control what you do in the off season. You can control your work ethic and your commitment to the sport and to each other. And those are the things that I really just tried to force and, 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 you give them the tools, um, you tell them what it takes, but it's up to them to ultimately go do it. And, and then once they do it, they thrive. And, and that's you, where you see a, a kid like a Rachel Kilberg who ran in a national championship in, at Warburg in 2016, that was on our relay team. She ran 57 something when we qualified and ran 348. That girl ran 66 in high school in the four by four. I mean, and that, that's nine seconds doesn't happen because I'm a tremendous coach right? It's because Rachel loved the sport. She wanted to get better and she put in a lot of work to get better. So it's people like that, the, the really drive a program to continue to get better um, when they do the work in the off season. Yeah. We spoke prior to the indoors, indoor meet uh, not too long ago in March. And, you know, you were hoping to have momentum build off of each event. You know, we're talking about this build from 2015 on your momentum is slowly building. It culminates in that 2019 outdoor national title. You know, you had some All-Americans indoor. Gabby Nolan was a big uh, reason for that. Uh, you know, that outdoor season, you had a lot of things go right for you. Cassie Parker, kind of that surprise 10K win, plus a, countless others winning the national title. You know, what was that 2019 just the culmination of everything? Did you expect it? Like, what were their, your first thoughts on that win? Shock. We didn't have a lot there. And it, was, it really was the perfect storm. Um, you know, Cassie winning on Thursday night was like, what, what just happened? Um, and she took a lead. I don't remember exactly how many laps were left, maybe six, maybe eight. Um, and she took a lead and she kept going and kept going and kept going, and extending the lead. I mean, I think at one point I was standing next to Bob, I'm like, is this happening? And she was out to like an 11 second lead and two laps to go. I'm like, oh my God, Bob, she's going to do this. And he's like, Jones, it's too early. Settle down. I'm like, she's got an 11 second lead. And uh, just that moment of her crossing the finish line and, and him having his uh, weeping Jordan uh, face at the, at the end of the race was, was kind of funny. Uh, I still poke at him for that video every now and again. Uh, but, you know, that just really got it going. And then I, I don't know, we'd never been there before. So I didn't know what any of it meant. You know, um, I knew when you score it, right? When you hard score the meet and you have the Gabby Nolans of the world, when you had Bella Solis as a high ranking individual and we had high ranking relays, I'm like, okay, I'm like, we can put up 35, we can put up 40, uh, look at past history. Okay, we can trophy, that's cool. I, we, we, we put 40 points on the board and 
we'll see what happens. Um, and then we get there and it's like 10K, four by one, open one, open two. It's like, holy cow, we're, what's going on here? You know, and, and we get to 50 points and I'm like, what, what really are we, are we going to get this thing done? And, you know, so it was, uh, it, it was a little bit of shock. Not that, not that we were able to get it done. Um, after you start tallying up the points that you just didn't know, it, it was somewhat unexpected. We just had a lot of people scoring the 10, eight sixes. If you can do that, um, I think it was, I mean, was it Wadaline that almost won a, a national championship by herself yeah. for UMass Boston when she was four events? It doesn't take a lot, you know? So that was, that one was much different because of, you know, the, the lack of depth. It was just, we, we scored big in all the ones we scored in. Thankfully, we didn't need the four by four because we did not run well in the four by four. You know, when you have that first win, it kind of comes as a shock. I'm sure the first thing is, all right, we got to go do it again. You know, what are you doing to get everyone fired up to make sure 2020, and now we have hindsight to know that never existed, but yeah. that would, we would be able to do it again in 2020? Um, just because we returned everything. Um, you know, we had, we had so many pieces back. Um, I think um, Bella graduated that year, um, and then everybody else was, was pretty much so back. And we had a, a, a good class coming in uh, that we felt good about. Um, you know, Alyssa Fadenhauer came in that next year. Um, she had a really rough senior year, um, but ran 57 flat and won state as a junior. That was the first state champion that we had ever had in our program's history um, come to our, our team. And uh, actually another young lady, Sierra Dietzler, uh, who was a foreigner hurdle champion, a small class was uh, also in that recruiting class. I'm like, okay, we got a couple pieces here, a couple pieces there. Um, Terriana Black was really starting to um, improve um, Grace Alley was in that class. So, you know, there was just a lot of, of, of pieces that were coming in, going through it with the returners. It was the Terrianas, the Gabby's, it was, let's do this again. That was awesome. Um, and I actually said that it, it helped our men more than I think it helped our women. Um, that was the hardest part of 2020. Um, hindsight's 2020 is very easy to say now in Wisconsin, Eau Claire's men game every national championship. I mean, they, they, they put on a clinic again this year, but I felt like we had a, a really strong chance to win the men's title at 2020 indoors as well. Um, so that one was a really bitter, you know, uh, pill to swallow. Uh, the only blessing that came from 2020 happening from our team is that Terriana had a year of eligibility to come back and help us win it in 2021. Uh, because she was instrumental in taking second in the hundred and fourth in the triple jump. Otherwise, if those two things don't happen, we don't win 2021 outdoors. Um, so, you know, it was, uh, it was kind of a snowball effect. You know, it became, I don't want to say contagious um, and I don't want to say obsessed, maybe somewhere in between, you know, I don't, I don't know the word necessarily, but it was just something that they thoroughly enjoyed the grind, the feeling um, of winning. And, and it just became something that they wanted to continue to do. And, you know, as, as the, those kids from 2020 moved on and the next cohort comes in, Marion Edwards is here and Elena Ball is getting better and all that stuff and Stevie Lamb. And so, yeah, it, it, it just, uh, it all started to come together. Yeah, you mentioned a few names there that have been big in both your titles, I guess this year in particular, and even in 2021, you know, you have this recruiting class that now is kind of the staple of your team. How has the impact of winning national titles improved or just helped your recruiting to bring in, you know, new talent, your first state champ in Alyssa? 
it goes back to what I kind of said earlier with the recruit, recruiting piece. It was hard for me to recruit a 57 flat quarter mile out of high school when I had no one running under 60 seconds uh, on the women's roster. You know, who are you going to train with? Me? It's like, <laughs> I can still run a little bit. Um, and I, I run with a little bit here and there now still, but that's not, that's not a drawing piece. Um, and to have a, a, a woman come run 57 on your relay team that's running 356, uh, it's probably not the most appealing thing to a kid. So it was, it was very helpful. Um, Alyssa and I got along very well in the recruiting process. Um, we were in communication a lot. Um, She's very responsive the whole way through. And then some of the pieces in front of her, it was very easy to, you know, say, Hey, you know, um, you know, Gabby Nolan's on this team. Um, Stevie Lamb was a 58 second quarter miler in high school. Who's on this team. Um, you know, Elena Ball is continuing to get better. She ran 60, I think 65 flat as a freshman um, in the 400 hurdles um, and never ran them in high school at all. Um, so just just being able to talk about some of those kids and what they had done just made the whole process um, a little bit different, I mean, a little bit easier of a sales pitch. Um, Marion was a little bit different um, in how she got here after leaving Co. She left after her coach, uh, Frank Wallace, who's now, um, actually, I think he just got starting here soon at Morningside, uh, or uh, Briar Cliff, I should say, in Sioux City. Uh, you know, he left and, and went down to Wayland Baptist down in Texas, and we got along when he was at Co. and like, hey, your mom's not going to let you come all the way down here to Texas. Um, coach Jones and I get along really well. I think you should check out Loris, and she did the, um, the release. Uh, came on campus and our media studies program is phenomenal here at Loris. And that's what she was going into. It was a perfect match. Um, and Marion is a tremendous piece um, as a student athlete, as a human being, structure, family at home, um, her work ethic. Um, it, it, she's been instrumental um, in our team. So there's not a single one of those kids that has not been very important Um but yeah, it, without some of those previous pieces that we, I just kind of talked about Gabby and Terry and, you know, Stevie and Elena and them, uh, we probably don't get Alyssa. And now Alyssa and Marion are very good friends. So it's, it's amazing how it's all kind of come full circle. Yeah. I think we talked about this when we had you on after indoors, but, you know, you mentioned that bittersweet moment with the men not having that 2020 indoor, even outdoor season, you know, how do you you know, it's probably, everyone's probably tired of talking about that COVID year of like, what did you do? But to come back out then in 2021 and win, you know, what was the messaging during the time you all were off? I mean, Loris had a little bit of a different uh, case. Like I know for cross country, you all were competing, mm -hmm. but from the track perspective, you know, what were you doing to make sure you all were ready for 2021? Oh, it was so hard. And I, I felt for those kids for so many different reasons, you know, their lives completely got flipped upside down. Some of them, you know, uh, speaking to Marion specifically, living in the city of Chicago, downtown Chicago, she literally had nothing. I mean, that girl was jumping rope on her little patio out in her backyard um, and, and doing simple things like that just to stay in shape. Um, you know, we we did what we could um, to meet with them, um, Mason and myself, over Zoom um, to just have that connection and the connect, uh, connectivity with the program to stay in touch and um, be there to support one another. I don't want to say that working out um, became secondary, um, but we, it just, I didn't force it as much. I, I used it more as a, a way to cope with what was going on in the world around them. To our kids' credit, I, I don't know why they chose to continue to grind um, through that mess. Maybe that was just really all they really had to do. I, I don't know, but 
you know, we just came out ready to go. And, and the way the NCA kind of structured the practice schedule, I love. I hope we adopt the 144 days. I think it's fantastic. I think it's great for retention to be able to have contact with our student athletes in September, as opposed to waiting six, eight weeks into the semester to be able to see them and, and work out with them. It was one of the better moments for me as a coach to see our kids handle that the way that they did. And to come back that next year in September, October, and look the way that we did um, as far as their fitness levels and how eager they were. I mean, I, I think that was maybe another um, blessing in disguise is that it was taken from them, right? You know, sometimes people and coaches will talk about injuries being a good thing to happen to people because if they use it as the right motivational um, tactic, they can come back refreshed and, and have a whole new perspective and outlook on, on the sport. Um, and I feel like that almost happened. It almost recharged the group um, because they knew um, and they took it. The, the mantra we talked about unfinished business, the unfinished business of continuing to see this thing through. And, and it was it was amazing to see that all happen. Yeah, you look at your program kind of similarly with Eau Claire on the men's side, you know, it, there's many ways to win a national title. We've seen MIT have three guys get a, get a trophy for them. Uh, Gustavus Adolphus, three women, fifth place. You're having points in the multis, in the jumps, in the hurdles, sprints, distance, a, a, a complete program. That's also pretty hard to do and manage and, and coach them up. How are you all able to kind of have a complete program scoring in different uh, disciplines like that and, and be successful with it? Um, you know, it's our, 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 for one, our staff. Um, one of the things that um, has changed as well um, through this run is um, added support from the institution. Um, Loris has added not one, but two full-time coaches to our staff um, over the last 10 years. And um, a little bit of a revolving door early trying to find coaches that were you know, ready to do what was necessary to find the kids to commit to recruitment, um, you know, taught the way that uh, we wanted them to, to be taught. Um, and, and once Ethan and, and Mason um, came on board, it, it's been tremendous for our program. Uh, Mason is a tireless worker, um, knowledgeable across every field event discipline. Um, the, the man probably tracks 15 miles on meet day from running back and forth from all the different field events. He gets home and he probably is cashed out every single um, meet because he's running all over the place. And I feel bad because I think, uh, you know, he, he makes me look like I need to do more when I, when, when we're at meets, but he's just been instrumental. Uh, he's great in the weight room, um, super knowledgeable in there um, with the periodization and we work well together. Um, it's like a, a brother I never um, had and, we butt heads um, when it comes to certain things. Um, when you know, you look at a Grace Alley, for example, and the Terriana Blacks um, of the world that have been jumpers and sprinters, and finding that balance between working with the sprints and the hurdles and the jumps. Um, so, just some of those little things that he spends so much time together that that stuff comes up. Um, but he's just been um, a huge, huge part of our success. And I'll never forget the conversation we had when he was leaving Clark that something's either going to happen over at Loris and I'm getting out of coaching. And I was looking at maybe I think a cop in Ankeny or Ames or somewhere in Des Moines. And, uh, you know, I'm, I told him after we won it again this year, I, I said, I can't do this without you. I, I love him like a brother, like I said, and um, Ethan is a, a tireless worker and I give him a hard time about, I, I think this is his ninth national champion. It makes me sick to say it because he, he doesn't let us forget it uh, coming from North central and, 
you know, the story program that they have. Uh, but he is a um, a total running nerd and and loves to do everything and anything possible to add to the recruitment and the funnel and the teaching. And so he's just brought kids and names um, to us that we would not have had and didn't have the manpower to do all that work uh, without him. And so each one of them have had uh, a piece of uh, the success and been you know, very important to our staff uh, and adding to, to Bob and I. And we haven't had any women since he's been here, uh, but but with Ryan Rogers and, and what Hunter Dunlap has done with our pole vaulters uh, as a younger alum, um, he's a phenomenal coach. Um, and I, I, I joked with him this year, and this is one of the things I did to, to Mason. Yeah, I like pushing his buttons. I told Hunter earlier this year, I'm like, dude, you are the most valuable coach on our staff because we're in Iowa and finding a pole vault coach is damn near impossible. And, and our kids get better and they really like him. Um, and so, you know, there was some truth to that. Uh, some of it was said just to, just to make, make Mason mad, but um, you know, I just, I, I love working with our staff. Um, they're really bought into the sport and I think we gel very well together. Um, you know, so it's all, it all kind of, again, come full circle. I hate to it's not like a broken record, but, you know, I think all of those things and their ability to coach and the commitment to the sport and to the kids um, has allowed us to find success over the field events, the mid-distance, the distance, and the hurdles. And, and it's just a very healthy balance. So looking in it, into your streak historically, I was only looking at outdoor. You're now the fifth school to have had a three-peat of outdoors Christopher Newport in the 80s, Oshkosh in the 90s, Wheaton, I believe it was early 2000s, and Warburg um, most recently in your conference. You know, when you think of maybe track and cross country and D3 running, Loris potentially isn't the first name you think of nowadays because of what you've done recently. How have you kind of managed, I mean, this is kind of what we talked about a little bit ago, but how have you managed kind of taking on historically great programs and becoming, you know, the fifth school to be a three-peat national champion without kind of having the precedent behind you? Uh, that That's where I, it hasn't set in. Um, you know, um, when, when I'm, I've been a division three guy for 20 years um, as a student athlete and uh, part-time and um, head coach, um, you know, there's names you, you, you always think about. Um, when I was in college, it was the, the men's programs or Wisconsin lacrosse uh, or Lincoln College or Lincoln University out in uh, Pennsylvania uh, were kind of the mainstays. Um, the WIAC was always been incredibly talented with Oshkosh and Whitewater's teams of the past and all of that. Um, women traditionally, uh, the UW Eclairs, um, the lacrosses clearly. Oshkosh has had some phenomenal women's teams as well. Um, obviously, in our own conference, Warburg went through a tremendous run there for a long time. Um, I had a lot of respect for what Coach Shu uh, did at Illinois Wesleyan as well. It's just, it's really odd to hear Loris now in that mix. Um, so that part hasn't set in for me. Um, I will say that I know that, you know, other people um, have noticed that it's, it's pretty cool to uh, not not even to hear the compliments, right? It's just to hear Loris in that conversation and to do having you say it. It's just like, wait, wait, what? You know, you're 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 mentioning the same breath, and I don't know much about Christopher Newport. I was a kid in the '80s, you know. So, um, but uh, you know, some of those other programs, uh, just unbelievable, unbelievable, um, to to be in that conversation and to see what these um, women have been able to accomplish. It's amazing, and and something that they'll never forget. I'll never forget. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. 
when we were setting this up to talk, we, you know, I joked with you that you you said you're busy because you're going out recruiting and it was the week right after the national. I mean, I joke that you're trying to get a, a five Pete, but now I'll ask you like for serious though, you know, how do you keep this success going? You know, you, you won't have Cassie indoors, but you'll have her outdoors. You have some seniors coming back for your, for that final outdoor season as well. But how do you now take what you've done and, and keep it moving forward? You know, it, it's such a it's such a difficult question and, and truthfully an impossible answer to have, you know, um, until some of these incoming freshmen come in um, and show, you know, they're going to be able to, you know, put the work into, um, you know, we'll, we'll lose a, a good number of kids next year. I uh, feel very good about the class that we are bringing in. Um, I think Harmony. Um, in particular, in this freshman class, really started to show some um, promise at the end of the year, and I think someone that's going to be very special um, in our program in the next year or two. Um, you know, I just I, I do tell them a lot um, in the Sprinson Hill group when I'm at practice. It's like, look, we can't put that pressure on ourselves that you know, you know don't feel like I don't want to be the one that ends the, the quote unquote streak, right? It's just unrealistic. I I'm I. I, I it's bound and determined to end at some point, right? And so if we get to outdoors next year and, and we're on paper to to win it again and you know we take second, that whoever is there, they need to see that not as a failure um, because it's unprecedented. You know, if we would have finished second place in 2019, what would the reaction have been? Were the national runners up, there would have been elation, right? And so they needed to just keep things in perspective um, and, and not put that pressure on themselves and stay the course. Um, every other year, we've done what we did in previous years in terms of preparation, um, the commitment to the sport, uh, making good decisions, um, committed to each other, um, and got better. And, and that's the recipe. And so if they do those things and, and they stay healthy, which has been a huge part of this, um, 2018, we weren't good because at the national level, Gabby Nolan got her to conference. Well, you take Gabby Nolan off of our relay teams and she's not there as an individual. We're not quite as good as what we were in 2019 when she was healthy. So, you know, those things all have to fall into place. And we've been very fortunate that a lot of those things have fallen into place for us. Um, so, you know, I just, I, I hope, and I think they understand that um, because I, I, I probably drive that message into them more than let's go get a fifth. Let's go get the fourth straight. You know, let's be the program. I, I don't even know who the, I think where there was one other program. Someone mentioned it to me. I think there was one other program that ran four in a row. It might've been Oshkosh in there at some point. Okay. I don't recall. Um, but, you know, not that to be the obsession. It's a preparation. Do what you have done in years past to put you in a position to be successful. And if you do those things and we're healthy, believe that we'll be there in the mix. You have no control over what everyone else is doing or what anyone else is bringing in for a recruiting class. And, and, and truthfully, that's a distraction. There's no reason to, to worry about that stuff. Well, Coach Jones, thank you for laying the foundation of how this four-peat, three-straight outdoors came to be. I'm sure more and more people are paying close attention and excited to release all of this at once. Thank you, Stu. I, I really appreciate it. Um, this has been a lot of fun, and, and it's great for Loris College. Uh, it's great for our program. And I hope our kids uh, enjoy this experience as well. All right, that does it for another episode of D3 Glory Days on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. Thanks to Coach Jones and all the Loris track and field athletes for their time. If you want to read 
the article, which you should, by Lila Drafts Johnson. Make sure you check it out in the show notes. Also, it'll be on our social media pages. We're getting closer and closer to cross-country coverage, so stay tuned. More to come on the way. Until then, here's to the glory days. Thank you.